It's a good day to be here, yeah? I'm glad to be here. Good to see all of you. Good to see most of you. There's a couple of you. It's really not that good. Just kidding. It's good to see everybody today. Glad people are back. The singing was excellent this morning. Did anybody else notice how good the singing was today? It was great. So whoever started singing that wasn't singing before, first of all, shame on you. But second of all, thank you. Keep singing. It sounds really, really good. All right. Well, today is uh, Deacon Day, and it's exciting that we're uh, getting new deacons. They, they still have that new deacon smell. Um, as usual, I like to hard downshift between silly statements and uh, reverent statements. Um, God is at work in this church in a way that I don't know that I can see parallels to many other churches I've been in. Joe, remember when I told you to read uh, from John chapter 17 today? Do you remember that conversation we had? No, because it didn't happen. We didn't have that conversation. Consistently, I see God moving in this church. I pray every time... I study for a lesson, and every time I get up here, that I'm speaking words from here that God wants me to speak, that you are hearing things that God wants you to hear. And I, God has been faithful in that. And I pray that I can continue to do that. And I, and I thank all of you who have been praying for me in that, and I hope that you'll continue to do so. Because this is a really, really significant day today. This is, I think when we look back on when things changed, when, when we, we look back and say, when did we start to become that church? I think we'll be able to look back on today. Really. I... I think this whole, uh, I, th- I think the lockdown, hope, God willing, the lockdown is lifting. All this mask stuff is starting to be over. Everybody's vaccinated or whatever. Um, we're getting uh, deacons installed. You get deacons installed, is that what you do? Do we have to raise the church up to install them or is it? It's okay, I don't know. But that's all happening today. God has been moving in this church. And he's moving in this church this morning. And let's look again. I wasn't planning on talking about this. Let's look again at John chapter 17. Starting in verse 20. Jesus says, I'm not just asking for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. That's you and I. Those of us who believe because of the words of the people that saw Jesus, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's about unity, and 
and farther down, um, verse 26, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I don't think there's anything... I don't know if there are many things, if any things, that we should be praying for more than that. That we can be together. That we can walk in the truth. That that the Spirit of the Lord is full in each one of us. So that we're not saying what we think, but we're saying what the Spirit has brought us to understand. That we're not asking for things that we want, but we're asking for things that the world needs, that our brother sitting down across the auditorium from us needs. I hope that we can be like Christ. This, the reason I'm here is because I, I know that God brought me here. And I think the reason God brought me here is the same reason God brought you here is that we have things to do, all of us, and we're going to have to do them together. And if we do them together and we don't fear the evil one, then I pray that God's work can be done through us. All right, let me backtrack again. By the way, I was just supposed to preach a, a sermon on deacons today, but Penny told me I can preach as long as I want. So if you don't like it, go talk to Penny. No, I'm just kidding. I'll try to keep it somewhat brief so no one has an anxiety attack or anything. So, shifting gears yet again, we went down to the big city yesterday. Went down to Fort Wayne. Went down to the big city. And I haven't really gone out in public too much. Um, I don't know, it just seems like almost too much of a bother. But what's really weird is things are weird out there in the world. They're weird. Not in the way I thought they were weird. But like, um, when we went to, when we went out to eat, um, you know, they cooked a steak and it was just a little bit too rare. And the fact that we were like, oh, it's cool, you can always cook it some more. You can't uncook it, so better make it too rare than to too, than too done. They were so grateful that we didn't fly off at them. And didn't scream at them. They were genuinely grateful. And we, you know, gave them a little five-star review on Google, and they they wrote they were just really, and I just thought, so not being a jerk is this big of a deal in the world. I was like, well, this must be that steakhouse. But then we went to Starbucks, and at the Starbucks, they had to do something different with my order. And I'm just like, you know, whatever. It's all coffee, I'll take whatever you get. And Jesse was with me. They were so grateful that I was cool about whatever they wanted to do. And I'm just like, what? what's going on in the world around us that just not being terrible shocks everyone around you? And it, it kept going. I, I went to uh, JCPenney. They, they were over at the Build-A-Bear workshop. I don't want to talk about my dad. But um, anyway, one of the ladies that works there dropped a hanger. And I just thought, well, I'll pick it up for her. And I picked it up and handed it to her, and it was like I was handing her the keys to a new car. She was so amazed that I would pick up 
I'm like, what is going on? And then over at Build-A-Bear, I had my coffee with me from Starbucks, and I didn't get mad that it was taking so long. I'm like, well, I don't have anything better to do. They're just building a bear. And anyway, so I got the coffee, and the girl goes, I'm sorry, sir, but you cannot. You can have that in here, but you can't drink it. And I'm like, okay. Thanks. Linda goes, it's cool. You're just doing your job. She was so grateful at that point. She just kept <laughs> gushing. I'm just like, what is going on in the world that just not being a jerk shocks the people around you? And it occurs to me that although this is a really weird time, this is also a time for us as Christians to show the world the goodness of God. And you know what? It's a pretty low bar to jump over right now. Just not being a jerk apparently amazes people. Imagine if we're actually good to people. Imagine if we're actually gracious to people. Imagine if we're actually kind. What if we're extraordinarily kind to each other? Then people will know that we're Christians by our love. Just as Jesus is saying in John chapter 17, the world will know, will know that they're mine. This, this is a weird time, but it's, it's an exciting time too. The world needs Jesus now more than ever. Really, now more than ever. Things are crazy. And I think it's perfect timing that we have, we're adding people to the leadership. And we're going to talk about what, why, are we even, why do we even have deacons. We'll talk about that in a minute. See the slide behind me? Don't worry. We'll get to that. Everybody chill out. Chill out! Okay. Um, sorry. The question is, though, if we have leaders, will we allow ourselves to be led? And we, we need to face a couple of facts on that. The world is challenged in being led. People aren't very good at being led. And also, because of the history of this body of believers, leadership has not been solidly in place for a long time. You haven't had a preacher until recently is what I hear. Um, I don't remember how long ago you guys got elders, but I do know that there is a very uh, democratic uh, bent to our world and a very democratic bent to this congregation. And the question I'm asking this morning is, if we have leaders, will we be led? And if we're not going to be led then I think maybe we need to take a look at that first. And I don't have an answer to that. I'm asking the question. My prayer is that the answer to that question and the answer to every question is, whatever it is God wants me to do, I will do that. Amen? So however much God wants you to be led, or wants me to be led, will be led. And... Being led is not popular right now. I, again, I don't read the news except for the nerd news. I do read nerd news. 
but I don't read the, the regular news, but this seems unbelievable, unbelievable to me. It almost seems like it's a fake story, but I know it's true that there are, in the United States of America, the U.S. of A., there are autonomous zones. Pockets of anarchy. Is that no longer a thing? Do they still have these anarchist zones? Someone that knows? Give me a yes or a no, Steve, that's no longer a thing. Yeah. How crazy is that? I don't like the job my mayor is doing. I, I think there's a couple of corrupt people on the police force. So I'm just going to toss out, we're going to have a place where no one's in authority. And from what I understand, these places are incredibly dangerous. Nothing good is happening. They're not self-sustaining by any means. They, there's, they have no way to create food or probably even water or electricity. The streets are filthy because no one's cleaning up the trash because no one's in charge. But that's kind of the culture we live in. I will not be told what to do. I am a sovereign citizen. You're not a sovereign citizen. You're a citizen of the United States, but more importantly, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. But that's not the way things are. So we need to be countercultural. And in that, we need to look at a couple of things. And these are things I don't want to look at, but we need to look at them. Because if I ever preach anything other than what I think God wants me to preach, I hope you guys will ask me to leave. Really. I, I pray that I always preach what it is God's leading me to preach. But let's look at a couple things. We're going to have a meeting next week where the elders are going to put some things in front of you. Honestly, I don't know what all those things are. But what I do know is true is we've had some conversations about some things, one of which is putting a sign out there. And I know the elders are not top-down authoritarians. They want to discuss, here's what we're going to be spending our money on, and here's what we're going to do. And that's fine. At the same time, I think if we're going to entrust leaders to lead, we need to give them authority to lead. If we're going to have deacons in charge of things, we need to let them be in charge of those things. If we're going to have elders, if we don't think that they're with fear and trembling, praying to God, what should I do next, then they shouldn't be our elders. And I know this is difficult stuff. And I didn't think this would get a real warm reception this morning. But I hope you'll just listen with an open heart. Let's take a tale of two congregations. Two congregations I have a close affiliation with. And I know we hate talking about this, but I'm going to talk about it one more time. The mask thing. One congregation that I have a very strong affiliation with just started, open, they just opened their doors, I think, two weeks ago or three weeks ago to Sunday-only worship. Because their thinking was, if we open the doors and someone feels like they have to come here, and by coming here they get sick, then we're not doing what the Lord wants us to do. So we have to keep the doors shut. I know of another congregation that said, you know what, we, we have to fight against a government that's becoming increasingly corrupt. We will never close our doors. We will never tell anyone they have to wear a mask. My question to you is which of those congregations 
is following God's leading? It's a difficult question. I know both congregations pretty well. I think both of them are. I think both congregations have men who with fear and trembling pray, God, what do you want me to do? And it's not easy. But here's the thing. We kind of took the middle approach, which I agree that's a pretty good approach. But there was quite a bit of, there were a lot of people who thought that we should have shut down and there were a lot of people who thought that we should have never shut down and should never have had masks. And I, that's fine. And I think everyone, everyone should believe what they believe, certainly. But I'll tell you what happened at those other congregations is because they'd had leadership in place a long time, everybody just went with what the elders decided. There wasn't a lot of drama about it. I know because I'm connected to these congregations. There was no drama about that. And that's not to say that we're, <laughs> that we're deficient in any way. I think what's true is this congregation needs to transition from the loose collection of people that showed up at a building to a united body of Christ who is working together who, has, who appoints leaders and then supports those leaders for no other reason than they're appointed as God's leaders. We need to move to that phase. It's difficult, I know. But if we can't trust our three elders, then we need to replace them. If they're not worthy of our trust, then they need to be replaced. They are worthy of my trust, these are, I've been around a lot of elders in my 52 years of life. These are three of the best. Thank you, whoever said that. These are three of the best elders. And I promise you, it is with fear and trembling they lead. And they don't want to say, well, we decided this and you guys are going to have to do it. That's not, that wouldn't be the way God would want them to do it. They want to make sure everybody's on board. And I think that's great. But I think we should try to be on board with them and support them because it's a lot more difficult than you think to try to lead people. If you've ever been a manager or a boss at your job, you know, I'll never, Linda and I are both, knock on wood, hope we are never in a management position again because that is tough because everybody's immediately upset with you as soon as you become their boss. All right. So, um, There we go. That was pretty much all I had to say about that. Thank you for listening to me. And I pray that I spoke words about that that God wanted you to hear. Because Satan is and should be afraid of the LaGrange Church of Christ. Because I'll tell you, the Spirit is moving. Joe, did God tell you to, to did he put it on your heart to read that today? You prayed about it, and then you read it. We keep getting consistent messages from all the men in this congregation. And some of you may think Steve is kooky. Steve is kooky. I am kooky. But also, the Spirit of God is at work in this church, and Satan should be afraid of what we can do if we work together in the unity through Christ and the Spirit of God. 
And it ain't going to be comfortable all the time. And it's going to seem scary at times. But we're more than conquerors. We're studying Joshua today. When they went into the town of Ai, God said, just go in there. You've already won. They hadn't even started the battle yet. But God said, you've already won. Just go do it. Just show up and you're done. All right. Sermon number two. I'll go fast. Why do we have deacons? Well, in Acts chapter 6, you don't have to turn there because there's a slide. The elders uh, of the church at the time, who are really also the apostles, who are also the evangelists, were... They're, they're passing bread out to all the widows. You know, they're doing the, here, we, we're, we're donating our money, and they were turning around going, okay, these people need the money, we'll give it to them. And then it was like, oh, you know what? Because the guys passing it out are Jewish, they're not giving enough bread to the Greek widows, so that's not working. And so we need the elders to oversee this, the apostles to oversee the distribution of the bread to make sure nothing bad happens. And the apostles say, wait a minute, why would we do that? We have different, more important work to do. That's my synopsis. Let's read. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve apostles summoned all of the disciples, and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Men full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. That's the example we have. The point is, our elders spend a lot of time praying by themselves, praying together, and especially praying with people inside and outside this congregation. They're at work pretty much every night of the week. They are. Doing those things. And so, we need deacons to take care of other things so that the elders can eld. So that they can engage in spiritual matters rather than financial matters. No, that's like, well, does that mean the elders don't have anything to say about it? No. But I'm saying, once we decide this is what we're going to do with this, then if we're going to have deacons, we say, look, this is, our, this is the money we've got for that. You go do it. And we empower the deacon to do that because that's the whole point of a deacon is that they have to be trustworthy. We're going to look at that again. They're supposed to be full of the wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And we shouldn't have to micromanage and we shouldn't, they shouldn't have to look on their backs and say, well, you know what? This person's going to be mad and all that. You guys follow what I'm saying? First, uh, Philippians 1, 1 through 2 which was read this morning. This is just an example where Paul's writing a letter to the Philippians. And he starts it off 
He's saying, uh, this is from Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, along with the elders and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only example we really have of the church outside in other parts of the world, having elders and deacons, but it seems very clear from everything we have and from the other passages I'll read that at every congregation they had elders and they had deacons. Elders are spiritual leaders. Deacons are the trusted men carrying out things that need to be done for uh, them. Well, actually, let me just go to that slide. Here's what they're for. They are there to attend to matters that would otherwise require the elders' attention. Full stop. That's what they're there for. They're there to take care of things that would take away from the spiritual work that the elders or arguably the preacher would do. Okay? I won't get into that. All right? So, we're going to go through the qualifications and then we'll be done. 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. This is the only place we're going to find them. Different passages for the elders, but here's what we have for deacons. Deacons, likewise, deacons like the elders, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. There is benefit spiritual benefit to being a deacon. It is a lot of serving. It is time out of your day, out of your week, out of your month that you didn't ask to spend, that you're going to have to spend, but there is a reward for it. I'm not going to harp on the wives part of it, but it's there. In verse 11, they have to be dignified, not talking smack about people, sober-minded, and faithful in all things. But let's just concentrate on the deacon. So here are the necessary qualities of the deacon. I'll distill it, and then I've left the wife out of this little chart here. Eight things. They have to be dignified. I guess that excludes me. I don't know. That's a dumb joke. They have to speak plainly and honestly. Not double-tongued, it said. Not a smooth-talking... You know, the worst people are not liars, but the people who almost tell the truth. You know what I mean? The kind of people that when you say, hey, wait a minute, no, hang on, hang on, I didn't say that. What I said was, that's a double-talking kind of people we're talking about here. They can't be that. They have to speak plainly and honestly. They have to have a clear conscience when it comes to the faith, and that's really down to the deacon. If you don't have a clear conscience holding the faith, you shouldn't be one. We can't check your conscience. We don't have a conscienceometer that we can 
apply to your forehead to find out if you have a clear conscience. But we might have some inkling, if we know you well, not drunkards. I would like for it to say doesn't drink alcohol, but that's not biblical at all. But not drunkards, not people who get drunk. Tested as faithful in all things. This is the important part, is these men have to be tested. You don't want to hand the bank account over to somebody that you don't know isn't just going to empty it out. They have to have tested them and see that they're faithful in little things so that they can uh, be faithful in bigger things. Husband of one wife. We're in Indiana, not another part of the country, so I think we're good there. They have to manage their children well. Hmm, that's an interesting one. They have to manage their children well. Why? Because anytime you get put into a leadership position, there are going to be people who will act like children. And if you, you either fly off at kids or just to let kids do whatever, that's not good parenting. You have to do somewhere in the middle. Firm, fair, and consistent, right? <laughs> so if you can't manage your children well, you probably aren't going to be able to manage the duties very well because people will come back at you. And finally, they have to manage their household well. If Honestly, if their life is a mess outside of church, well, then they're probably going to make the things inside the church a mess too. Just facts. So they have to be men that meet these standards. And we have uh, prayed a lot about this. And um, we've got some very fine men who are frankly already working very, very hard all the time doing the Lord's work. And I'll let the elders expound on that some more. But let's not forget that all of us are deacons and deaconesses, right? These are a certain subtype of deacon and deacon, or subtype of deacon. Woo-hoo, almost got myself in A subtype of deacon are the ones appointed to do tasks that would otherwise ha- have to go to the elders, so they're the trusted men. But all of us serve God. And we serve God by serving the body, and we also serve God in all the other ways God asks us to serve. And there are a lot of people who put a lot of time on a daily basis, maybe not every day, but a lot of them every day, certainly on a weekly basis, and you just don't know anything about it. We need to fix that, by the way. We need to, we need to praise the people. We need to do that in a formal way. But there are a lot of people doing a lot of hard work every day for the Lord, and their reward is with God. So, I hope that we will all, I hope you'll listen to what I had to say today. It was kind of a long sermon. We went like 30 minutes. But Penny, is that okay? That I went 30? Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, But I do think this is really important. I really do think we're going to look back to April of 2020 and say that was when things started to go the direction, when we started to become that church, that light on the hill. Why are you doing this? 
Is it 2021? <sighs> April 2021. We're going to look back and we're going to say, that's the year our preachers stopped acting stupid up in the pulpit. But this is, I think, going to be the beginning point of what's already been happening. It's not like we're going to start something new. It's just the continuation, the marking point, where we're actually, actually unified. Actually unified. The way Jesus said in John chapter 17, that was his one prayer for you. Did you know that? His one prayer for you was that we would be unified and that we would be kept from the evil one. I think this is the year that we, in a unified way, through the power that we have through Jesus Christ, we show this suffering world that's so full of hate and anger right now, the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Spirit of God. Amen? And we transform the world around us because that's what we are called to do. And I'm excited to do it. It's great work if you can get it, and you can get it. So this is normally where we have a song, an invitation song, because we do want to make sure we're attending to the needs of all the saints in the building. If you have a need for prayers, we want to pray with you. We're commanded to pray with you. We're commanded to share each other's burdens. We want to pray with you today. If there's someone here that's not a Christian, the invitation is always open, but it'd be great to throw you in the baptistry. I mean, put you in the baptistry, and you can be buried in Christ and be raised as a new creation, a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you need the prayers of the church this morning, or if you just want the prayers of the church this morning, or you'd like to become a Christian, right now is a good time to do it while we stand and we sing this song.